0: Back to 15 Minutes of Fascism, an unfortunately topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Craig Johnson. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about a rash of uh, right-wing groups rising in the United States uh, and also the uh, appearance of unmarked, unnamed police or law enforcement officials in Portland uh, who have been rounding people up uh, in that city. Uh, Like I said, we're going to start uh, just with a little bit of a recap about some of the things that have been happening on the right wing in the United States recently. Uh, We've seen the appearance of right wing groups tied to the Proud Boys in New York City and other cities uh, in the Northeast. Um, These are groups of, you know, vigilantes, uh, white male vigilantes who seem to be claiming to protect their neighborhoods uh, from Black Lives Matter or Antifa or whatever their perceived enemy is. Um, The fact that these people are appearing in uh, urban areas distinguishes them a little bit uh, from the militias that we've seen in previous years, risings mainly in the American West. Uh, So we're talking about Idaho, Oregon, Colorado, Utah, places like that. Uh, The fact that these uh, vigilantes are appearing in urban areas uh, indicates that uh, this kind of extremism is becoming more palatable and more, more you know, perceived to be acceptable, to be open about uh, even in uh, relatively liberal cities uh, like New York or Philadelphia. Uh, the fact that these groups are increasingly affiliated and organized, not organized by, but, but you know, part of a universe of white and male supremacist power networks, uh, such as the Proud Boys and other fascist organizations. Uh, means that we're moving a little bit further down the road uh, toward you know, truly dangerous scenarios uh, in which there are national organizations of white supremacists capable of perpetrating political violence to achieve political ends. Uh, this is something that the United States hasn't really seen uh, in a really demonstrable like, way that can actually influence policy or change the way that politics is going uh, since the 1910s, 1920s. Uh, this is the height of the power of the KKK. Uh, well, the height of its power after the end of Reconstruction, specifically. Uh, there's also a recent article in The Intercept, uh, a news magazine uh, by Ryan Devereux, uh, that exposes the fact that law enforcement and national security enforcement in the United States uh, knew about and uh, received intelligence on right wing threats uh, and threats of right wing violence and right wing organization. Uh, during the Black Lives Matter movement protests um, ongoing, of course, but during their peak uh, about a month ago, Um, but that the law enforcement officials in the United States, of course, chose to uh, crack down not on these actual threats of violent protests uh, or on, you know, fascist or fascist adjacent people, uh, but instead on uh, black uh, activists, um, on people who are protesting racism, on people who are you know, quote, destroying property uh, by going after uh, Confederate monuments or monuments of white supremacists or monuments that venerate people who claim to own slaves. Um, The fact that the United States government and various state and local governments uh, preferentially crack down on the left, on progressives and on people who are otherwise oppressed because of their racial, uh, ethnic, religious or other status, Uh, Should surprise nobody uh, who is at all familiar with the way the United States works, Uh, but uh, as a little bit of a gotcha and expose, just like laying bare the exact nature of this particular kind of discrimination, uh, it's an extremely interesting article. You should go look at it. Okay, the big item in uh, right-wing news in the United States this week um, is, of course, the uh, increased uh, attention to the uh, use of unnamed, unmarked federal agents in Portland uh, in order to crack down on uh, protesters. Uh, now, this is not the first time, obviously, that unnamed and unmarked agents uh, are used to police U.S. cities. Um, this is not the first time uh, that we've seen this particular kind of tactic used, uh, not just in current, in the current moment, you know, in the Black Lives Matter protests and the wellspring of protests against uh, police brutality. And the carceral state in general uh, that came about as a result of people's reactions to the murder of George Floyd. Um, But the fact that these arrests are getting a lot of attention uh, and are specifically, you know, the specific circumstances around them are what makes them particularly interesting. Uh, Now, these officers uh, appear to be uh, employed by the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, They have been claimed, at least in part, Uh, by the acting director of the department of Homeland security uh mr wolf or secretary wolf excuse me um which is you know just a just a little too on the nose as far as the name goes but you know whatever um now what makes these arrests interesting is two things one the attention that they're getting uh indicates that people are you know getting more and more disturbed by the kinds of tactics that the Trump administration is using in order to crack down on dissidents, um, partly because of the increased willingness of people in mainstream political organizations and with mainstream political positions uh, to question the legitimacy of Trump's government and to actively look into uh, connections and parallels that uh, his administration has to actual dictatorial, actually fascist organizations and regimes. Uh, now, this is important and good, uh, but it kind of obscures some of the history of you know, law enforcement in the United States. It's not as if uh, many people or all people in the United States uh, who are arrested or targeted by law enforcement are, you know, read their full rights or really told the names and badge numbers of the officers who are arresting or harassing them. Uh, This is also not the first time that uh, federal agents have been employed in order to uh, crack down on dissidents. What what is interesting here is that rather than being the FBI, uh, these are people employed by DHS, by Homeland Security. Um, Another thing that makes this interesting is that it appears as if local and state law enforcement officials uh, were not told about or even really consulted uh, by this DHS deployment. Uh, which implies that it's a federal operation that potentially they were concerned that the local cops wouldn't want. Um, Now, that's really interesting, and there's a whole lot of speculation you can do about it. Um, I'm not going to engage in that in particular, uh, partly because I'm, you know, not an expert in, uh, you know, local Portland politics or in Oregon politics in general. Uh, for that, uh, I highly suggest that you seek out different sources, people who are on-the-ground organizers or political commentators who have a lot more history in that region in the United States. But in general, uh, it's dangerous uh, when different parts of uh, the state's violent apparatus uh, sort of, you know, have problems with each other. Uh, these situations can get really dicey, Uh, especially when different parts of law enforcement or different parts of the state don't talk to each other about the tactics that they're using or about the kind of violence that they're committing. Um, Now, obviously, this isn't at all to, you know, suggest that uh, the local law enforcement uh, would be doing much better. Uh, The Portland police, uh, Portland law enforcement has its own significant serious problems that, again, I'm not an expert on. Um, but which are heavily documented by the residents of Portland. Um, Instead, it's to say that uh, this appearance uh, of DHS agents uh, and specifically the local criticism of them that comes not just from the people who are being targeted by them, but by their would-be other oppressors, um, the Portland uh, City Police, uh, Oregon State Police, uh, and various other agencies, uh, is interesting. The thing that makes these arrests uh, particularly uh, disturbing uh, is the fact that uh, they look very much like uh, the moves that various dictatorships take uh, when they are arresting or dealing with dissidents. Uh, We're talking about uh, rounding up people in the street, uh, not accusing them of anything in particular, uh, just saying, come with me, uh, taking them, uh, grabbing them, and putting them in unmarked vans and taking them somewhere. Um, Now the fact is that these arrests uh, have been made, uh, it seems not with a particularly great amount of violence. Um, And also the people who have been taken uh, have been taken to regular law enforcement localities. Uh, They have been tried uh, or at least, you know, they've been accused of something formally. Uh, Many of them have gotten out on or received bail and bond. This differentiates uh, what's been going on in Portland from uh, disappearances as such, uh, disappearing uh, as a political tactic used by the right wing and by right wing governments uh, to suppress uh, disobedience, to suppress, uh, you know, what they consider to be, quote, subversive political activity. Uh, Now, instead of that, uh, this is something much more like typical law enforcement in the United States. But what is Differentiating it is uh, specifically the the unknown, the anonymous aspect of it, uh, and also particularly the fact that it's happening in Oregon, um, Oregon, which is one of the hotbeds of right wing political activity in the United States. Although uh, it seems as if that has relatively died down over the last several months, uh, which is very you know interesting, fascinating question by itself. Why this is happening? Um, in order to talk about why. Uh, The fact that this is happening in Oregon is particularly interesting and particularly disturbing. Uh, I'm going to take a little bit of a historical detour uh, to talk about um, what I study, which is uh, right-wing governments in South America, uh, their development, and uh, how they policed and uh, enforced their laws. So back in the 1960s, 70s and 80s, most of the larger countries in South America, uh, so we're talking Chile, Argentina, Brazil, but also many other places, uh, Uruguay, Paraguay, uh, Colombia, Peru, uh, were run by right-wing dictatorships of various kinds. Um, The places where these rules were the longest and the most violent and the most sort of virulently right-wing would be in the southern cone. uh, So that's uh, Argentina, Chile, Uruguay and also Brazil. Um, And in these countries, uh, the right-wing governments, um, well, you know, I'm writing a whole dissertation about this kind of stuff, uh, so there's a whole lot more to say, Uh, but uh, a short version would be that these right-wing governments uh, were trying to build a sort of imagined Christian nation, uh, which uh, was specifically anti-communist. And there's a lot of different facets and a lot of different national expressions of this, but uh, that's a good short, short version. And one of the tactics that they used uh, in order to enforce this new vision of the world, uh, in addition to, you know, eliminating functional democracy uh, and, you know, exiling people, eliminating elections, blah, 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 uh, was something called disappearing people. Uh, Now, they didn't call it that. Um, uh, It was uh, the people who were targeted by this kind of violence who called it disappearing. And they called it that because that's what it looked like. Uh, but what happen would be that a person who was uh, involved in, you know, anti-government or critical activity, activity critical of the government, or a person who could conceivably have been accused of such, or a person who is related to somebody who was involved in such activity, or a person who belonged to a category of people uh, who uh, might conceivably be involved in this, you know, a student, a professor labor organizer, uh, member of an ethnic or racial or religious minority, uh, these people would be um, taken uh, from their homes uh, or from the street suddenly uh, by groups of armed men uh, with masks. Uh, we're talking ski masks or hoods. Uh, they would be taken, they would be put into vans um, and driven away and never seen again. Uh, when their loved ones or their comrades or their friends or family uh, would inquire about them in official channels, you know, you go to the police precinct, you'd talk to the uh, various government ministries that might be responsible, talk to the military. Um, They would say that they don't know where these people are, uh, that they have no record of them, uh, that potentially they don't exist at all. This particular aspect of it uh, the fact that uh, these um, abductions were done pretty brazenly you know sometimes we're talking just broad daylight dragging people out into the street uh, into vans and taking them away uh, the fact that the abductions were so brazen and the government's stonewalling of any knowledge about these kidnappings uh, that's why it's called disappearing uh, in some cases uh, these people uh, were eventually released uh, but with no record that they had ever been held anywhere. Um, in many cases, uh, people were tortured uh, in order to gain, well, supposedly in order to gain information about their uh, dissenting activity, um, but also tortured for the infernal logic of torturing itself, which is a, a topic for a different day. Um, many of them were killed. Uh, you may have heard about uh, one of the tactics that they used uh, specifically. This is. Uh, associated with the Pinochet regime in Chile, but it was used in other countries as well, of um, drugging people, taking them up into helicopters, and dropping them into the ocean uh, as a way to uh, permanently hide the bodies and to leave no evidence. Uh, uh, The torture tactics that were used were also specifically designed to leave as little evidence as possible, which uh, uh, made them err towards uh, electrocution uh, because it uh, doesn't produce uh, as much scarring uh, on the victim. Um, Now, this is a horribly disturbing subject to get into, uh, and uh, I obviously don't have enough time to do it justice today, Uh, but the reason that I bring it up now is, uh, well, one, it's a fascinating topic by itself and something that tells you something about uh, what the right wing is and how it works, Um, but also because the way that these um, arrested protesters in Portland are being treated isn't isn't is not this. These are not disappearances. Um, These arrests have records. uh, There are documents. These people are out on bail. Uh, This is not disappearing. Uh, But the first part uh, where the protesters are taken into unmarked vans and just taken away um, by unknown agents, that looks a whole lot like disappearing and could easily become it. uh, very suddenly uh, and without explanation uh, without documentation one of the other things uh, that makes uh disappearing as a tactic so insidious is that it intentionally and specifically blurs the line between law enforcement as such and partisan violence uh, in Argentina and Chile and Uruguay and Brazil uh when these unnamed unmarked militants uh would take people you know people didn't know who they were were they a fascist mob was it the army were they cops uh were they these countries equivalents of the fbi or the cia nobody knew and in many cases uh, regarding the deaths of people who were killed by these forces uh or people who were released we just still don't know Um, because many of those documents uh, that describe these operations were destroyed um, when the dictatorships of these countries ended. So the fact that these uh, disappearance-like tactics are being used in Oregon, uh, a place where there is a pretty extensive network of right-wing militants uh, who are armed, who some of them are tactically trained, um, we can't be surprised if in The next few months, we hear about people who are taken uh, in a very similar fashion, uh, taken into unmarked vans, uh, and we just never hear from them again. We don't know where they are or who took them or why. Um, The fact that this is happening in the United States uh, is indicative of the degree to which we are as a country. and also around the world uh, on the road to uh, something that is singularly disturbing, um, something that uh, has not been widespread in extremely developed countries uh, for quite a long time, Uh, something that has uh, been a part of the lives of many people throughout the world uh, as a result of colonialism, imperialism, uh, and the logic of the Cold War. Uh, These are things that are coming, uh, coming home coming to the United States, to uh, Britain uh, in a way that they have not, uh, especially for a majority of the people in those countries uh, in a long time. Uh, And the fact that we need to expect these tactics to continue to be used uh, and even potentially to increase in their severity uh, or frequency uh, should give us some real pause it's time to think very seriously about the danger um, that the development of fascism and the right wing poses in the united states it's a very sobering uh, and disturbing thing but it's something that needs to be fought um, as much as we possibly can all right uh, i will talk to you next week and until then please stay safe